if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. We continue a free-for-all Friday, which means whatever topic is on the top of your mind will be the tops on the radio as well. You dial and pick it. We will censor no topics on free-for-all Friday. By the way, keep this in mind, okay? If you're a regular listener, as we continue on this Friday, the 26th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2021, um, this is really the time to do that sort of thing. Sometimes we get people will be heavy into a specific topic and we'll get phone calls coming in about other things that are not any less important, but just not what we're talking about at that moment. Uh, try to keep it on point until Friday. On Friday, you can go all over the place. It's just fine by me. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Uh, so we spent a lot of time in the first hour on uh, the Equality Act that was passed yesterday by all Democrats in the House and three ridiculous Republicans. Here is another issue that we found out yesterday that they were discussing on the Senate side. Anna did deliver a hard punch to the Fight for 15 crowd. She is, of course, a Senate parliamentarian, and she determined that the minimum wage increase does not qualify under special budget reconciliation rules. Now, that was met with disappointment at the White House, but also determination to move forward. Speaker Pelosi also disappointed, saying the minimum wage provision will stay in today's bill when they vote, saying, quote, House Democrats believe that the minimum wage hike is necessary. Therefore, this provision will remain in the American Rescue Plan. I, I, I wish I could find a new word for stupid uh, other than just saying Democrat or Pelosi. But, I mean, honestly, the Senate parliamentarian said that putting a $15 an hour minimum wage provision into the um, uh, COVID relief package is illegal. They can't do it. It can't be voted on by the Senate. So Nancy Pelosi says, Really? Well, we really like it a lot anyway. We're going to put it in the bill we're going to pass out of the House. How stupid, how indescribably daft does one have to be to include a provision in a bill that you have just been told has no chance of passing in the other chamber, not because of votes, but because of legality. The Senate parliamentarian, Elizabeth McDonough, said you can't do it. And she's going to send it over there anyway. And then what? Then it can't be passed as is. It can't even be voted on as is. 
And then it's going to have to go back to the house anyway. So why are they wasting our time and our money? They're going to keep that $15 an hour minimum wage caveat in this ridiculous $1.9 trillion Senate, or excuse me, um, uh, spending boondoggle, knowing full well it has no chance and that it's illegal. It just makes no sense. I wish I could find new words, like I said. Now, you may know that Mitt Romney and Tom Cotton, who are two polar opposites. Tom Cotton is, is conservative and as bright as the day is long from Arkansas. Mitt Romney is a nut from Utah, but they are both proposing a separate bill that would address the minimum wage, but only to $10 an hour after the pandemic is over, and businesses would have to verify the legal status of their employees. That's a little bit of a different story. It's something that can be discussed, I suppose. But this $15 minimum wage uh, uh, bill is just insane. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Senator Rick Scott said this. We're in a pandemic. Look at our unemployment rate. Look at the number of people who don't have a job. And now we're saying, oh, we're going to kill more jobs by raising the minimum wage. You know what you get paid when you don't have a job? Zero. I, wa- I grew up in a poor family. I watched my dad's car get repossessed twice. When you lose your job, you have no, it's a zero pay. So when they're talking about raising the minimum wage, they're saying, oh, we don't care for you. We don't care about jobs. How is that so unclear? How is that in any way unclear? When you force business owners who are working at a razor-thin profit margin in the first place with their businesses to jack their overhead costs up so high on a $15 minimum wage, they have to respond in order to stay afloat. And one way to do that is to fire people. If I've got 10 workers and all of them make $9 an hour, and suddenly I have to pay 10 workers $15 an hour, I can't keep all those workers. That's bottom line. I'm going to have to keep fewer workers. They're going to have to pick up the slack for the workers who got fired. They're going to have to work extra hard, by the way. And people are going to be unemployed. It is not that difficult to comprehend. Yet, it seems to be for those on the left. Here is uh, Representative Porter Uh, And I'm trying to find out what state she is from, and I don't have it in front of me. It doesn't matter. She's a liberal Democrat senator, who, or uh, representative, rather, who is going to ignore the issue of layoffs because of minimum wage hikes. So Senator Braun was on with my colleague Chuck Todd a moment ago, and he said he didn't oppose raising the minimum wage, but he was saying that a one-size-fits-all for every company across America for that wage might not work. It might not allow some companies uh, to retain as many employees. What do you make of that argument? We've already built that into the bill. This is simply a delay tactic. These were arguments that were raised and were really considered. And so we've built a phase in into the minimum wage. It doesn't turn into $15 an hour tomorrow. It phases in. And we are. She's uh, she's from California, by the way. So uh, I wanted to clarify that. Listen to the argument here. It's a phased in to 15. So what? That means it's a phase in to unemployment for a whole bunch of workers. People's or uh, a business owner's income isn't going to phase upward during this period of time. You're just increasing their overhead and doing it over over a slower period of time. It's not going to change the 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 overall eventual cost structure that they have to run their business. But we phase it in. We phase it in. Already in the midst of businesses having to make a lot of important decisions. So this this increase in wage is phased in. And we've also seen, by the way, that it's some of the largest businesses in the country that employ a lot of minimum wage workers. This argument that this will only affect small businesses isn't right. This is also about making sure that the largest corporations in our country... 
nobody has argued that it is only about small businesses. What we have said, you daft Democrat, is that it will disproportionately harm small businesses. Mom and pop shops are going to be hurt much more by your ridiculously one-size-fits-all minimum wage approach than the Walmarts and the GMs and the Fords and the Amazons and the giant corporations will. They can absorb minimum wage increases because they work on massive profit margins. Mom, but, but the driver of, of the economy in the United States of America isn't those large corporations. Over 70% of Americans are employed by small businesses, the ones that will be the most dramatically and disproportionately hit by your one-size-fits-all approach to wages. Like I said, I'm looking for, I've got to pull out my thesaurus more often and use it to look for new words to describe Democrats. I mean, seriously, stupid, daft, uh, you know, I'm running out of them. Some of them are just not strong enough. All right, let's go to Cleveland. We're going to talk to, well, it looks like G. Just we're going with an initial. All right, G in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Hi, G. Okay, I've been following you for at least 12 years. Well, and this is, I'm that. a first-time caller. Well, thank you for that, too. Okay, and I want to thank you for your passion. I really do. It makes me um, keep hope. Okay, my thing is follow the science. Follow the science. Follow the science. That's what we've heard for over a year. Why isn't this important now with the transgender issue? <laughs> science states there's male and female. Follow the science. Okay. Also, I want to say that I'm very disappointed in um, fathers, brothers, and grandfathers. Why aren't they coming forward? for their female loved ones. They know that um, males are physically stronger than females. When I was coming up, men were very, very protective over their sisters, their mothers, you know, their daughters. Why are they quiet? Why aren't they coming forward? Well, um, gee, you make two very, very great points. Number one, about the science. This is what I have been repeating over and over again, and you're so right. They want tell us to follow the science when it comes to climate change. They tell, it, tell us to follow the science when it comes to COVID, even though the science is completely up in the air on both of those things. But when it comes to things where it's not a scientific theory, it is scientific fact. It is provable by chromosomes uh, and uh, and physiology and anatomy and biology. They tell us to ignore that science. Whatever somebody feels like, that's what they are. So you're spot on about that. As to your second part, G, you probably have heard the term used, right? Toxic masculinity. And right. you've probably heard the term about the, the term, uh, the patriarchy. Men are being discouraged from stepping up in defense of their female loved ones, whether it be their wives or their moms or their daughters or their sisters or what have you. Men are being told, hey, stay in your lane. This is none of your business. 
um, you know, you trying to uh, defend you know, you know the females in your life is you mansplaining uh, everything. Uh, leave women that. alone to do this. So th- th- that's th- the real answer is there was a time in this country, and you know it because you referenced it, when men did that. They stepped up and said, you know, in fact, it was considered chivalrous to step up in defense of a woman who's being attacked, whether you knew that woman or not, and de- regardless of the manner in which she was being attacked. Now chivalry is considered to be a negative word. Now, uh, uh, you know, caring for, treating for, treating, standing up for women is considered to be your uh, expression of your superiority and your supremacy, your patriarchy, your toxic masculinity. And that's why it's being bred right out of our kids, our, our young male kids these days. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being able to express myself. And you, you stayed... Keep doing what you're doing, please. Well, gee, thank you so much for being a long-time listener and a first-time caller. You make sure you call me back again, all right? Okay. Have all a right. great day. Thank you. God bless. You have a great day, too. All right. Um, can we get one more in before the, bo- or before the break, I should say? All right. Let me get uh, Paul and Eastlake on the air before, and then we'll uh, get a few more phone calls before the bottom of the hour. But, Paul, let me squeeze you in here. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, I, I caught Tucker last night, and he was talking about the situation at Smith College. Yeah. And I think he, he must have talked for, uh, on it about for about five minutes. I saw I tell you, it. I, I thought it was a shout. I, 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 there was a lot missing to me on that report, which I maybe I just missed it. First of all, I didn't quite understand what was the reason the janitor went in there and, and, and uh, you know, whatever he said to her. I didn't catch that part. Did he tell her something like uh, you don't belong here? No, he, di- was- he didn't even he didn't even confront her at all. She was in this dorm that was closed. It was off limits for everybody. It was closed because it was summer session, so nobody was supposed to be in there. He saw somebody in there and then did what he was told to do by his em- employers, his bosses, which is if you see somebody in a place they're not supposed to be, call campus security. So he called campus security, and the campus security officer went in there with the janitor and said, "Who are you? What are you doing in here?" And that's, of course, when she said, I'm eating in here, uh, and then turned it into, they wanted to know why I was there, because I was black. She turned it into a racial hoax situation, yes, when all they I were trying think... to do is say, you're not supposed to be in here, this is a closed building. Yeah, but Tucker didn't bring that up last night. I didn't get, unless I missed it, unless I dozed off, I did not catch the reason. Yeah, that. well, I mean, the, 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 he did. Uh, he didn't do it in as much depth as Hugh Hewitt did when he presented it yesterday morning. Um, and the New York Times, believe it or not, the New York, New York Times did some fair and objective reporting here, and they reported it very specifically as to what the janitor did, what the uh, security officer did, and then how she spun it into some sort of racial attack, uh, questioning her being there as a black girl rather than why are you here in a closed area that you're not supposed to be in. Um, no. So, so what I would say, and I, I've got a run here paul thanks for the call what i would say is I'll, I'll clarify more of that if i can too if i have more time before we're done today but what i would say here is you know sometimes the story is um a lot more complex than is able to be conveyed in a five or six minute television segment uh you know and that's what tucker's limited to there um we have more free form and long long form opportunities rather here on the radio so i'll answer it the best i can but i read that new york times article was very impressed by their shocking objectivity in the situation and uh uh, and I will share it with you as, uh, as we go. All right, 1023. Now we'll take that time out right back.
Okay, 1027, let's get a couple of more calls. <laughs> I just realized the song. <laughs> yes, yes, weird science. Mike is in uh, Cleveland. Hi, Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, hey, Bob, how you doing? Uh, Good, sir. Love listening, love listening to the show. Tune in pretty much five days a week. Uh, a little, little off topic, but yesterday Mike DeWine releases uh, capacities for sporting venues. Uh, yeah. 25% inside, 30% outside. And I guess my question is, like, you know, we're, we're no longer in a pandemic status, correct? Uh, no, that's not correct. I think it is still classified as a pandemic. The numbers are dropping way down, but uh, they still have it classified as a pandemic. Oh, okay. Well, well that, was it. that was pretty much my question. Cause I thought that we were below pandemic level, and I just didn't understand how Mike DeWine is still getting away with uh, you know, just like, well, we can, listen, it's still a pandemic, but we can still make fun of him and criticize him anyway, because the, what he, <laughs> what you just announced is true. It's stupid. Think about this. The, the existing rule regarding masking, right? The, the mandate that he put in place regarding masking says you must mask when you're indoors in public places and you should mask outdoors when you cannot uh, keep six feet of separation between yourself and others. That's what the order says, right? So let's think about this. In in the stadium rules that you just talked about, 30% capacity outdoors that will be, people will be seated socially distanced from one another. In other words, more than six feet. And yet everybody must still wear a mask. Now look at, look at the common sense or the lack of common sense of that. If the rule is outdoors right now, you don't have to wear a mask if you can stay six feet apart outside. And if you're going to be seated in an Indians game six feet apart from other people, then why the hell do you have to wear the mask? The, the rules are still contradictory, and that's what's so frustrating. He and his team, like so many at the federal level, have been making this up as they go. The rules contradict one another. In, what they say on Monday is no longer relevant by Wednesday. It, it's just, that's the most frustrating thing about it to me, other than the obvious, which is just the tyranny of the whole thing. Go ahead. What was your last thought? Also, the thing about the mask, it almost seems like it's, they continue that because it's just part of part of the like, conditioning. And Bingo. Sound odd, but and, yeah, no, it's and, not. And, odd. and what what scares me about that is that when when we do drop below pandemic level, people will be so conditioned to, 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 to you know, just just saying okay to whatever the rules are that no one's going to fight. No one's going to fight anything. That is exactly what so many of us have been saying for the last 11 months, that this is conditioning. If they can get us to do something that, and thank you for the call, Mike, if they can get us to do something that is so um, scientifically (laughs) void, um, uh, let's go ahead and disconnect that call um if we if we if they can force us to do force us to do something that is so devoid of scientific um reason and and there is no science let's clarify this there is no scientific study that has been conducted that shows that wearing these masks in any way shape or form can prevent the coronavirus from being transmitted from one person to another nothing no study no study that shows wearing masks or, quote, face coverings, which is what they say, can stop this. They will do some studies in clinical settings where they'll put these masks on dummies, and then they'll look and say, look at this, when it's perfectly affixed and nobody's touching it, et cetera, et cetera, perfectly affixed to the face with no gaps and everything else, then it can be effective. They'll do it like that, but that's not a study of reality. The only study, the only randomized controlled studies that have been done on masking that have been done in this country or other countries, showing real people, 
wearing uh, masks in social settings and in public settings and those who do not. The only studies show that it is negligible. The impact or the effect, the positive effect is negligible. In fact, I think the words were uh, statistically insignificant, meaning there was no change between the masked and the unmasked. No change. So why are they making us do this? Mike just nailed it. It is about control. If they can make us do something with zero scientific proof of effectiveness or efficacy, then they can make us do just about anything. Don't ever forget that. We're going to take a time out for news now. We'll come back. We'll get more of your phone calls, but also Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, joins us for commentary next. AM 1420, The Answer. Please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 1037, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. 23 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you this morning. Uh, we'll get back to more of your phone calls in a bit, but I want to say good morning now to our regular Friday guest at this hour. She is a former four-term Ohio House representative, and she is now one of the uh, one of the best pundits, I think, talking and commenting on news. She is Christina Hagen on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Christina. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bob. I'm I'm great. Uh, if I wasn't watching the news, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we could all say that about every day. To be honest, especially uh, since uh, January twentieth. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That might be that might be a little bit extreme, but I think that's pretty doggone close. Well, Christina, I've uh, I always love hearing, I always love reading your Facebook posts. If the people who, for people who are not following your page, they should. If you are still uh, on the Facebook uh, website, uh, you can find Christina Hagen there. Just to, just like it sounds, she's a great follow. She's uh, got a lot of great commentary and a lot of great stuff, which is why I decided to bring her onto this program every Friday to talk about some of these things. Uh, the lead story of the day for me, Christina, and it's how I started my show at nine o'clock this morning uh, is the inequality act and i know it's called the equality act but that's its name in practice it is inequality the argument that they made for passing this and even pushing this and writing this is that and this is a very very brief thumbnail sketch is that trans uh, rights are human rights that's their argument here is that trans people are being discriminated against and they sh- should be essentially treated just like black people. In other words, let's expand the civil rights protection uh, guaranteed in 1964 to people based on race and uh, ethnicity and on uh, uh, sex and so forth. Let's expand that to gender identification as well. And trans rights are human rights. But Christina, what they are not saying in that, uh, you know, in that little slogan is, is that so are women's rights. And women's rights are being stripped away if these trans rights are granted or are celebrated or are, more importantly, forced upon the people, businesses, religious institutions, and individuals. What about women's rights? Go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty clear here that this is about not not about equal rights, but about privileging specific ideologies or thought process that have nothing to do with the basis of sex or the plain meaning of sex. Um, and obviously are going to uh, create significant disadvantages for biological women, uh, for biological girls. And it's, it's heartbreaking to me as somebody who has championed, championed human rights um, of the child in the womb, who, by the way, has this 
composition of their DNA down to their chemical makeup um, at the point of before birth, um, they're disadvantaged in the same bill that is championing championing equality. So at the same time, they're saying equality for everyone um, on basis that are uh, impossible to define and ever-changing. Uh, they're at the same time disadvantaging the unborn and the children, uh, their basic humanity. So it is, it's crazy. I mean, we're going to see some wicked, wicked stuff. And we've watched all of this kind of percolating over the last several years. I mean, the Target uh, transgender bathroom stuff was starting to come to a surface, and now we're seeing it be codified um, into law. You know, the work yeah. of legislators to promote policies that absolutely disadvantage basic uh, basic biological separations to protect people. Um, women have long fought for our rights um, and our protections, and I just it breaks my heart to think that women who have suffered sexual abuse, something that uh, people pretend to care about on the left and the left leadership, are now going to be forcing women who have suffered the trauma of sexual abuse to possibly be in a facility with somebody who does not share um, their same biological makeup and may remind them of experiences they've had in the past and will forever disadvantage uh, young girls and children's sports. I mean, there's no, no debate. I grew up with three brothers. I have three brothers. We are distinctly different. Although we share similar uh, convictions, our, our makeup is entirely different. They can do things I can't do. My husband can do things I can't do. Uh, it's not a problem. It's the difference in our biology. Uh, and we make great partners. But the reality is, if I am competing with my husband in any sport, physically, he is going to dominate me. And so we're watching the end of a ton of progress for girls and women just be brought to a direct halt um, to not only privilege, but to elevate an extreme minority, um, not on the basis of equality, but on the basis of how somebody may or may not identify. And it's tragic. It, it is all of those things. Um, you have three children, right? Absolutely, yeah. Girl, girls, boys. Yep, I'm a girl and boy, mom. <laughs> okay, so uh, so, Christina, here's here's the bottom line. The way I kind of try to simplify this: if you were working out at a gym, or if you took your children to the local community swimming pool, would you, as you walked toward the locker room to change into your workout clothes, or your children walked toward the locker room to change into their swimsuits? Um, and you were on your way to that locker room, and you saw a six foot three, heavily muscled um, person looking with a with a wig and lipstick on. In other words, a biological male going into the women's facility because that's what he thinks he is. Uh, would you go in? Would you follow them in and change clothes in front of somebody like that in an open locker room? Would you Absolutely let your daughter? Not. Would you let your daughter do such a thing? And that's a that's Absolutely the way I simplify. Not. I mean. We, we guard our children everywhere we go. You know, we're not going to make places that are intended to protect them and seclude them from dangerous situations uh, a breeding ground for difficulties and for the evils that we try to defend our children against. It's crazy. It's crazy. And again, you know, my mother grew up in a situation where she experienced sexual assault, too. So to me, it's very real because I learned what she went through. And I won't even go into a restroom in any place without looking behind the door. And that's, that's without the government <laughs> promoting the idea of people coming into a space and, you know, interacting with children. You know, it's not 
an uncommon story that you read about this perversion in public parks. And now it's going to be promoted into public school systems and public places all across the board. And it's just, it's devastating. I mean, this is an attack on women's safety and well-being, on girls' safety and well-being, and to privacy, quite frankly. That's exactly what it is. We're talking with Christina Hagan. She's a former Ohio State representative, also a former congressional candidate. And, uh, uh, Christina, let's talk about, uh, speaking of Congress, um, it's amazing the outrage that they had during the Trump administration, particularly in the summers of 2018, 2019, when these massive migrant caravans show, showed up our border and, and, uh, a whole bunch of kids who either were unaccompanied or they didn't know who actually brought them, but certainly maybe not their parents. Uh, they had to be detained. Everybody had to be detained while they tried to sort everything out. And, of course, you cannot detain by law uh, children with adults uh, because of the dangers involved. Quite obviously, the children are separated from the adults, and we know the story. That became, quote-unquote, kids in cages. Never mind the fact that the very same facilities were built by the Obama uh, Biden administration and used. That was Democrat-approved. Trump then used the same facilities. That was Democrat-outraged. And now... They're being used again by the Biden-Harris administration. And once again, we're back to Democrat-approved. This time, instead of calling them cages, they're using these uh, these shipping containers, basically, uh, with bars on the windows, which look just exactly like Kids in Cages Part 3. This time, it's okay. How do we ever, ever get past this kind of hypocrisy? It's just going to take extreme diligence, I think, from patriots who are paying attention, who call out the bluffs, the inconsistencies, and what I call the only standards that the extreme liberal Democrat leadership in this country has, and those are double standards. I mean, they're exact same scenario, only intensified by poor policy choices of this president. So this president, you know, has done what he said he would do related to immigration. He's opened the floodgates, and now they have an even more intensified problem uh, with the same situation that President Trump had while trying to curb these crazy situations. And now they're doing exactly what they said was a nightmare that Republicans were doing inhumanely to children. And the reality is, I mean, I don't know if you ever followed or watched uh, Candace Owens on this. She actually went to detainment facilities and showed how luxurious they were. I mean, she went to detainment facilities and exposed what was happening. And, you know, what the Democrats were saying were horrific situations where, you know, disgusting mistreatment, inhumane treatment of individuals that are coming into our country were actually places of rest where you could get meals and cot and you could get um, volleyball courts and computer access and Wi-Fi, things you would never have in the country you were coming from uh, with great likelihood. And yet, Now that we have the Democrats doing exactly what they said was an act against basic civility and and children and women and families and tearing people apart, it's suddenly okay. And we've watched the president's press secretary pivot from this and try to uh, dance around the concept of kids (laughs) in cages and now call the, you know, it's a tough choice, but they had to reopen these migrant facilities for children. Um, They don't have a lot of good options. Shocking. Shocking, right? But when they're doing it, it's, you know, thoughtful and full of discernment, and they love children. And when Republicans are utilizing the same environment that was created by Barack Obama for these purposes, and then Biden has intensified and secured as a way of operating, it's okay. Look away. Nothing to see here. No discussion to be had, yet the president previous was under assault unrelentlessly 
and it's just, or relentlessly, it's just, it's nonstop hypocrisy all day, every day, all week long, all year long. Just if Americans aren't paying attention, if we're not educating our children on these inconsistencies, then they'll never know the difference because the mainstream media is doing nothing to draw out the reality of these situations. And it's truly sad. Christina, third topic I wanted to get in with you today uh, was about the, the Democrats, not the Republicans, but a group of more than 30 House Democrats asking Joe Biden to give up his sole control of U.S. nuclear, the U.S. nuclear football, uh, the nuclear codes, access to the nuclear weapons. Vesting just one person with this authority entails real risks, the letter states. Um, if this isn't a comment on his mental acuity or his, you know, neurological impairment or whatever we want to call what we all witnessed during his campaign from the basement and his even his public appearances um, since he became, you know, since he was inaugurated, I don't know what is. I'm going to ask you a two-party here. One is, what do you think that means that they want to pry the nuclear football away from Dementia Joe? And number two, um. We've had relative peace for four years in the Middle East. Joe Biden's been in office a month, and already we have military strikes. You posted the press secretary, Jen, uh, Madam Circleback Saki's words, um, when she said back in 2017, quote, what is the legal authority for strikes? Assad is a brutal dictator, but Syria is a sovereign country. Criticizing Trump for ordering strikes there. Now, less than a month, or actually a month into his, um, uh, into his term, Joe Biden has ordered similar strikes. Again, the hypocrisy, but take it away. Right, right. I mean, just never, never ending hypocrisy. And I think about, you know, her words could be applied to this today, but of course they won't because the media won't hold them accountable. They'll never hold them accountable. So that's why I'm glad we're having the conversation. And so two things here. Um, yes, this is, you know, a president who is likely incoherent on many levels, yet he is still uh, the duly elected president of the United States. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe we can't, we will never know. We will never know because of the lack of accountability in our institutions. But as president of the United States, he is the commander in chief, whether we like him or we don't like him. And so I just think about these few dozen Democrat um, leaders and you never know. I mean, nearly everything that they do is to get attention for themselves and has really no uh, basis in policy or the reality of policy passing, but to get a couple of headlines, which they have successfully achieved. Um, and I found it interesting that uh, Vice President uh, Harris had said, well, he didn't consult with me. So apparently, you know, she was unsettled by the lack of a co-presidency, but the reality is this person is the commander in chief and solely has that responsibility and ability um, and access to that. And so when we talk about the nuclear football um, and the codes, obviously, you know, they attacked President Trump. They said he was going to create uh, nuclear war. We are going to be in World War Three, And the reality is that did not happen. Um, and nuclear uh, warfare has not been used since World War II. Uh, since, uh, it, it's just the reality of it actually happening is not is not is not realistic. Yet we have these Syrian airstrikes. So we had a reason being that the Iranian backed militias attacked us okay they attacked us but at the same time the democrats are pushing for the iran deal so i don't see any (laughs) real you know there's no cohesion in their plans or their ideas and while i agree with those dozens of democrat lawmakers that the commander-in-chief that they have pushed to the top of their party's nomination and got into the oval office um, is not who i would choose to be behind those codes um, and to be executing on these items 
Um, the reality is this is where we are. Uh, but it would be nice if there was any level of coherent thought behind what they were doing, because I don't see the point of fighting. They say they don't see the point of fighting Assad, but they also make it easier for them to get nuclear weapons through the Iran deal. So they're pushing for the Iran deal while also issuing missile strikes. But it's, while it's striking the Iranian militias. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. But then again, that's this is what we expected, which is why we fought so hard uh, to to stop this uh, this uh, Biden-Harris regime from taking over. And uh, uh, now people are starting to see why. 260 a gallon and climbing notwithstanding. That's another topic for another day. Uh, Christina Hagan, terrific job as always. We appreciate your great analysis and commentary. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You have a great day, too, and a great weekend. It's 10.52. More of your phone calls to wrap it up next. AM 1420 The Okay, 10.56. Our final segment of the day, our final segment of the week. Let's make it count, huh? We'll go to the phones again. North Ridgeville, Sam, on AM 1420 The Answer. Hello, Sam. Go right ahead. How you doing, Bob? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Well, one quick question and a comment. The question is, is haven't these people that have been accusing Trump of everything under the sun and trying to ruin his business, telling them not to play golf at his courses and everything else, haven't they opened them up for like a slander or a libel because everything they said about him was false? Um, and for a, and for, yeah, well, short answer, I mean, short answer to that is no. When you're a public figure... There are a lot of criticisms and a lot of things people can say about you that are going to be, that are not really actionable. You, it would have to be something, you would have to prove two things. You would have to prove number one that there was malicious, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just going by what I know. Um, you would have to prove malicious intent by words that are spoken and then you would have to prove harm. You would have to prove what are your damages? How, why did, why and how did you suffer? Because the only thing you can win in a slander or a libel suit is money. What money are you out because of what somebody publicly said about you that you can prove to be malicious and you can prove to be false and so much of that is so difficult to do in a court of law very few people file especially if you're a public figure slander or libel suits how about how about this now's a good time for trump to start his new reality show impeaching with the stars okay <laughs> and, and every week nobody will be found guilty and the panel we can have edith bunker he can either play she can play pelosi or she can play uh hillary clinton and you could have Jeff Dunham with that old man on his lap. It's always grumpy. That's he Biden. could be Bernie Sanders. Oh, no, he I looks mean? like Biden. Know. No, Biden's dummy. That old man looks just like Biden, I think, and not, not Bernie so <laughs> yeah. much. And poor, and poor Edith, Gene Stapleton passed away, I believe, a few years back. But I do like the outside-the-box yeah. thinking. Thank you, Sam. I hope President Trump, by the way, his next venture is going to be into uh, social media platforms and, in fact, quite uh, a software company. I hope he starts Trump phones. I want him to start Trump phones with his own platforms, and I want him to put Apple and Google phones out of business um that's just me comrade stan on am 1420 the answer hello comrade go ahead you're killing me about 15 seconds i get and that's it i mean that's i'm gonna have to use your hotline and and you're wasting really eight of them complaining about it you're wasting eight of your 15 now, by complaining wonderful uh listen this uh minor thing with Rand paul and all that here's what they're using it as a tool they are going to use that to get the people that they have on death row as minors, 12, 13, you know, Texas with their express line and easy pass to the gas chamber. 
They're going to use that in the future as to cancel out anybody who's under the age of 18, and therefore there will be no death penalty for minors. And that's how they're going to use that with this gender thing. It's just starting, man. They're going to. I'm going to have to ponder that, Stan. I'm, and thank you for the call, my friend. You're right. I, own, I am out of time. Uh, I'm going to have to ponder what you just said because right now I can't make hiding her hair out of it. Uh, but that's it. That's all the time that I've got. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for great conversations. Be safe this weekend. Stay free this weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.